When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I think what happens with Kiss, and it's one of the amusing things about the Kiss fan base, is we're really passionate and we're big complainers and we fight all the time about all sorts of things. And we love getting to complain. And I think you notice this with any fans of bands who are super dedicated and knowledgeable about a band. You go over a mountain and you come down the other side and and realize that there actually is a lot to complain about. We're totally booked. Rock and roll. Well, I think I'll leave you to your reading. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Rock and roll out. Are totally booked. Welcome to Booked on Rock, the podcast for those about to read and rock. We're online at bookedonrock.com where you can find every episode along with links to listening platforms, exclusive videos, blogs, and the latest rock book releases. Kiss fans, there's a brand new book out now called Kiss at 50, and this is one you will want to get. Part of a phenomenal At 50 series from Motorbooks. This is a trip through 50 years of the hottest band in the world. It's beautifully packaged and produced in a hardcover format with stunning photos of the band on and off stage, much of them never before published. Images of memorabilia, including gig posters, seven inch picture sleeves, ticket stubs and more. If there was ever a book that deserves something this visually stunning, it is Kiss. To add to the experiences, veteran author Martin Popoff. Martin pays tribute to the band on the occasion of their 50th anniversary by curating and examining the 50 most significant milestones, starting with the band's formation in the early 70s to their meteoric rise to fame by the end of the decade, to the departure of original members Peter Chris and Ace Frehley, to the roller coaster ride of the 80s, the massively successful 90s reunion of the original four, right through to the band's current end of the road tour. Martin is here to talk about all of it. To hear a playlist of Kiss, Make sure you head over to the show notes page. Martin, welcome back. Uh, we're talking Kiss at 50. 50 years. Is Absolutely. that hard to believe for you? Time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, this band, uh, I, I have a fondness for them because they've been around basically exactly as long as I've been sort of, uh, you know, buying and, uh, and conscious with rock and roll. So I, I definitely got the first kiss album as a new release back in 74. So I would have been 11 years old. It's a little bit like queen Elizabeth being our queen for my entire life and rolling stones being around for my entire life. And the, and the Beatles, although the Beatles, you know, they weren't around for most of the back end of my life, but the stones have been there my entire life, which is kind of cool. I, I, I like that. And I have a fondness for that reason, but yeah, kiss is like that because 74, I was already on board as a new release. 
you're among those who were able to experience KISS when they first hit the scene. I joined, I got on the train maybe late 70s when I was maybe seven or eight. What was that like getting that first album? Was it underwhelming? Was it like, who the hell are these guys? What was your reaction to when you first heard KISS and saw them too, because they're so visual? It's a really interesting question because um, I remember us being not particularly sent insane by the, the makeup. Um, so it was like, eh, okay, so here they are. They're wearing makeup. We're 11 years old looking at this and going, okay, whatever. But the music was at the heavy end of what we knew. So essentially at 11 years old, like I remember there was some Sabbath and deep purple in our lives. There was some BTO uh, and kiss sounded like even then we knew that they weren't as uh, skilled as uh, as our favorite UK bands, right? Um, so it, so it it sounded a little bit like like Bachman Turner Overdrive. It sounded a little bit rounded off at the edges, just a bunch of chords. It's not particularly mobile or nimble. The production's a little bit soupy and dirty. Uh, but you know, it was it was fairly heavy because there really wasn't much heavy out at the time. So quickly, it was immediately in there as uh, as one of our one of our favorite bands, but there was no reason to like vault them to the top of the list. Casablanca in the promotion for this book, Kiss at 50. There's a quote in there. It says the fortuitous signing to the Casablanca label. So how important was it that they signed to Casablanca? Was it the type of label, the only type of label that would have supported this type of band? Because I would think labels were looking at them and saying, well, they're not, there, there isn't enough musicianship there the songs aren't good enough but maybe casablanca saw something different yeah it's, it's a good point i mean i th i think the whole thing with casablanca almost feels more like so this is neil bogart forging out on his own um you know before that there was buddha um kamasutra buddha right so i think the main point here is that kiss was just blindingly the priority at this small new label and they liked to they, they didn't mind spending money. They had a beautiful little uh, little uh, logo thing. They, they were good at promotion. They really kind of like risked it all on on kiss sort of thing. Um, although, you know, the deal wasn't that great uh, out, out of the gates, but it, it it all worked out. And they, you know, and, and they spent a lot of time with those guys and, and they, you know, they forged a really sort of close relationship. Later on, you had village people and Donna Summer. And uh, and so they had some other big things coming down the pipes. But Kiss was the big deal early on. So you wonder, uh, had they got on directly with a big label, they might have just been kind of a, you know, another band of the stable, you know, albeit with the novelty uh, to them uh, with this massive stage show and the makeup and all that. But yeah, with Casablanca, it's almost like it's basically an indie. Uh, they're in there, so they so they're definitely getting a lot of attention. And you've got a good manager in Bill Ockoin, and uh, and they're just trying all sorts of crazy stunts. Uh, you know, whatever they can do, cut whatever corners you can uh, to make this band big, sort of thing. So so yeah, it, we'll never know. Um, but had they gone on with uh, got on with Warner, or Columbia, or EMI, or something like that, uh, they might have just got lost in the shuffle. Right, they would have been way down on the priority list. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And then in turn they save Casablanca because Casablanca is ready to go bankrupt. I think they're on their heels up against the ropes and then yeah. kiss alive comes out and fortunes 
changed. Now, this is another interesting thing that I want to get insight from you on because you were there when it all happened. That Kiss Alive album comes out. Well, now, all these years later, many, many articles have been written now about the overdubbing of that show, and it's not all live. I think the only thing that's live is Peter's drums. And Does that matter to you? What did you think about it then? Has it changed since now knowing there was a lot of overdubbing. Yeah, I, th- I think it matters. I don't think about it too much um, just because it doesn't matter in the grand scope of things. Right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, but at the time, I remember it, it was a, a massive big deal when that came out. There was a lot of like I say, there was a lot of promotion. There were, there were always ads and circus and stuff. And and the kiss ads were interesting because they didn't say very much. They didn't come up with a bunch of hype text. They just like gave you the picture of the album cover and said coming soon or whatever. Right. Um. So so there was something kind of like uh, expensive and corporate about kiss or or they fooled us that it was that way. Right. When everything was run on a shoestring kind of thing. But no, when that album came out, it just felt like. Even before it broke big, it it looked like they were superstars. It was expensive looking. It was a gatefold. It had those letters from the band in it and stuff. Uh, it had the amazing, iconic album cover. Uh, but you're right. I mean, many, many albums are faked in a whole lot of ways. Um, you know, there's some stuff has come to light about Van Halen right here, right now, recently. And, uh, and even Kiss Alive 2, uh, same sort of thing happens. So, yeah, it, it does matter somewhat. But they did an amazing, convincing job of making it sound like a super exciting live album. I, I think the other good thing about Alive uh, is it's it's one of those examples of albums where the reason it's doing doing well or one of the reasons for it to exist, it's Raisin Detra sort of thing, is that um, all three of the studio albums are not great productions in one way or another. They're not terrible productions. Second one's uh, certainly the most radical Third one is is the most maybe polite, neat and clean. The first one is just generally pretty good, but it's maybe a little soupy and reverby. But alive, the performances sounded great. Um, you know, it was a it was a genius idea to leave the crowds in there to give that Beatles, you know, girls screaming effect. Um, so it sounded like a real crazy party. And I've told this story before, but one of our one of our crazy situations was uh so we would have been 12 years old. So what grade are you in? Uh, seventh grade, maybe uh, at Sixth, that seventh point. Seventh grade, yeah. Yeah. So we, so we had a um, we were having one of our famous uh, dances in my my parents' basement. Uh, you know, in in our house's basement, right, rec room, right. And uh, my my buddy Forrest Hoop and I were scrounging around at the dump as you do as a kid. And uh, as we walked into uh, so so our town dump and trail was in this, you know, between these two big sand dunes and it was all sandy and everything. And there was a long sandy road leading into it. Right. And so we're just walking up to up the road and sitting there in the middle of the road is a nice, pristine cardboard box full of like about three to four inches thick. How much? Let me let me uh, not exaggerate here. One, two, maybe two inches thick of a pristine, untouched April Wine 1974 tour poster, oh. right? And so it's the cover of the April Wine live album, that really evil-looking purple and black live shot of April Wine. It's basically that cover. And, you know, I guess they were playing trail and someone was too lazy to put up all the posters or whatever. Right. And they just threw it out. Right. So sitting there right at the entrance of the dump. So we take this. Wow, this is awesome. You know, and so 
So we lined the entire rec room with these posters, ceiling to floor, cutting out for the receptacles. It looked incredible. I wish I had a picture of it. But so all around hundreds of these uh, these April wine tour posters set up for this party. Right. And so we're having having this dance and we're dancing, you know, Elton John, you know, Crocodile <laughs> Rock and all this stuff. Right. Yep. And all of a sudden, Bobby Davidson bursts through the door holding aloft in his arm in his hand i i tell this story i think this story's in the uh, introduction to the book right he's holding up a copy of kiss alive like he he was the first to get it it was downtown it must have come in when he was rummaging around the record store and boom so he runs in with this this kiss alive and i remember all of us dogpiling on top of him <laughs> and he and he's holding this record out so it doesn't get ruined right and we just ripped the cellophane off and uh, started playing it on the stereo. And it turned into a Kiss Alive listening party. And uh, and we we turn around and look up a few minutes later and all the girls have gone home. Everybody's gone home. <laughs> There's no one left in the room, right? <laughs> yeah. Except for these, these four or five boys sitting around looking at all the bits and pieces of Kiss Alive and playing it. So so Kiss Alive like destroyed uh, a, a grade seven dance for us. Oh, that's is, a great story, funny. man. That yeah. is awesome. I love it. I love it. Did you yeah. have a favorite member? I always loved Gene the Demon. I, I Still to this day. Yeah, you know, I um I was a drummer and I eventually and I got to meet her, meet Peter Chris and I I for some reason had found I, I had my 1981 um you know receipt for my big dr pearl drum set that I bought um you know because of my love of Peter. So Peter definitely as a drummer and I thought he looked really cool and I thought Ace looked a little feminine and Paul looked a little feminine and Gene was awesome you know he looked cool too but peter just had the the you know peter had the, the coolest look i think out of all of them did you ever dress up as peter for halloween that's the question i uh, dressed up as gene for halloween you did? okay yeah yeah I, I don't know if i ever did peter but <laughs> yeah. um yeah and we drew the kiss logo on oh. everything and drew kiss members on everything hell yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's and it's interesting you mentioned about how all the girls walk out of the room they don't want to listen and that's kind of what uh, Bob Edgen was thinking when he takes over and he produces Destroyer, right? 1976's Destroyer. He wanted to, like a song like Beth, he saw as the perfect way to expand their audience, get more of the female audience in there. And that's their first commercially successful studio album, thanks to Beth and Detroit Rock City and Shout It Out Loud. But it's interesting to hear many of the Kiss fans say that Destroyer was not the band's best. It's the follow-up album, Rock and Roll Over, that gets ranked at the top, or Love Gun from 77. Those were produced by Eddie Kramer, not the polish that Destroyer had. Are those albums superior to Destroyer? Or I would say no. Those have really gone down in my estimation in, yeah. in recent years. I, I don't think they're produced very well. The songs are really kind of simple and non-ambitious. Uh, I, I definitely hear, uh, I still hear a lot of people saying Destroyer is the best, and I think it's the most sensible answer to say it's the best. Uh, we know it's the most ambitious, uh, I would say. Um, it's got the most peaks and valleys. It's got strings and piano and all that stuff, but I think it also has God of Thunder and Kings of the Nighttime world and detroit rock cities possibly the best kiss song ever and oh, yeah. i th I always like shout it out loud i even think flaming youth is pretty good do you love me is cool on it as well so i don't know i i just think uh i i just think for that early era of the band and then we can get into a big debate about you know 
are they even better in the eighties? And is revenge? I've I've said revenge is my favorite kiss album. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, so as I'm well, right? asking about that the eighties yeah. and nineties. Yeah. So so yeah. So destroyer. I think um, looking back and and playing it against rock rock and roll over and love gun sound like really like weak sauce to me compared to uh to to destroyer. I I think uh, I I'm, I'm gonna have to go with destroyer as the best one. Hotter than hell gets a lot of kudos too, and it deserves it. Hotter than hell's a, a badass album. The tragedy with Hotter Than Hell is the production. When I first got a copy of that album, it was a burned CD. And I remember thinking, oh, my friend just burned this on a very, very low bit rate because it sounded so terrible. And then and then somebody said, here you go. Here's the real thing. And they gave me the actual CD. I'm like, oh, it sounds the same. The drums. What was up with the drums? I mean, that was intentional. I mean, what? what, Yeah, Richie, Richie Wise and Kenny Kerner, right, uh, produced those first two. And uh, yeah, and they have the association with Dust, the band Dust, with those great album covers, but they aren't as heavy as the album covers. That's a big joke in, in the business, right? Everybody talks about Dust that way. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's almost like they're Black Sabbath Born Again, right? Or they're uh, Metallica and Justice for All. Yeah. It's just a really radical, strange recording. As soon as you get used to it, just like listening to a bootleg, right? As soon as you get used to it, bootleg, you, you yeah. kind of forget, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just a weird production. I don't think it's a terrible production. It's just strange. Now, Live 2, I connect with that more than a Live 1 just because when I became a fan, and my story was that there was a a kid that lived down the street that was a huge Kiss fan, and he listened to the album so much that he replaced them all, and he just handed all of the old ones to me. He said, here you go. It it was like the first three albums, and it was Kiss Alive, and it was, but Alive 2 was on the top, and so that was the first thing I did was open up the gatefold, and I was like, whoa, you know, Del the Gene with the blood, and he's sweating, And I loved that album, and I still do. So I go to that one more than one, only because of a a personal connection there. But do you like Alive 2? And the new songs like Rocket Ride and All American uh, Larger Than Life. Larger Than Life, yeah. Yeah, so so that gatefold, I mean, I grew up in a small town in Canada, um, not close to any big towns except Spokane. So I didn't go to a lot of concerts as a kid, but that was one of the first concerts I ever went to because we were on a family vacation across the country. So I saw, I saw, I I guess it was the love gun tour. It was, I think it was July 77, but cheap tricks certainly supported them in Montreal. So, so got to see that show that you hold the gatefold up of that. So that was really cool. Yeah. I love alive too. Uh, I think uh, it's a great selection of songs on there. I even like the album cover strange again, corporate album cover, showing the different, you know, the broken up pictures of the band like that. And, uh, and it always bothered me that alive, has an exclamation mark and alive too doesn't have an exclamation yeah, mark. Yeah. Um, but uh and I I uh the studio side's great. I thought the studio side was as strong as any side on uh rock and roll over or love gun. Um and Rocket Ride is clearly people always have that in their top five of of KISS songs of all time. It's super heavy, really cool, dramatic. It's it's got that cool hook, you know, that ascending riff sort of thing in it. And All American Man is just a good, high quality, heavy Paul Stanley song on there. But this is when things are starting to fall apart. Peter Chris and Ace Freely, we're not happy with the direction of the band, and they're living the rock and roll lifestyle to the excess. Paul and Gene are just the opposite all business, no party. So they think, well, let's try to fix things. Let's give the two guys a solo album, and we'll do our own solo albums. That's just to keep things together. It doesn't really work. Those four solo records, Ace comes out on top. He's got the hit single in there, the cover of uh, New York Groove. I do like some of Gene's, 
I do like about three quarters of Paul's. Peter's, I just, I, I really, I'm just not digging any of it. Your thoughts on all four? I go along with what everybody sort of says. Although, you know, I, I'd say in recent years, uh, for the first time ever, I'm, I'm slowly edging Paul's album ahead of Aces, possibly. Um, you know, they're talked about uh, in, in the book a fair bit. And I think one of the sidebars has Ace talking about his solo album. But, you know, clearly Aces is the heaviest and most Kiss-like. And that's the one that it's almost like a unanimous decision that that's the best one, right? But a lot of people will pick Paul's and I, I just like Paul's whole personality. And I think his personality comes out on that album and it is fairly kiss like anyways. And then, of course, we know that Jeans is a little less kiss like and there's more guest stars. It's like a big sort of glitzy. Uh, oh, look who's all over this album sort of thing. Um, but it is still somewhat kiss like and it's it's enjoyable. And then Peter's. Yeah, Peter. You really wonder and you listen to all his his solo material and stuff as well. And you really wonder, you know, you, you want to ask the guy, like, were you living a lie in Kiss? Because obviously you didn't like that kind of music very much. Right. I mean, you yeah. didn't want to do any of it on your solo album. But then a lot of people have the opinion that, you know, the solo album is where you do step out and do something totally different. So that's a whole philosophy as well. But yeah, Peter's is really hard to listen to because it's just so it's just so poppy and yacht rocky right having said that though peter chris underrated drummer or is it fair he got he took a lot of hits towards the end of his run with kiss just because of his substance abuse but at his best what do you think of peter chris who knows right i mean i i that's a great question because who knows how good a drummer he is he is on the evidence we never kind of got to find out right um you know kiss had these pretty simple songs uh, i don't know if if it's a if it's a case of the whip is being cracked or whatever and they're and they're saying keep it simple and he wanted to play more but we don't really hear very much from him even his drum solos are really rudimentary like they're really simple and and just just hooky and catchy and 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 meant kind of for the novice right or or meant to be entertaining for someone who might be a novice right so we never got to know um you know he 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 professes to be come from a you know a gene krupa school and uh, i love jazz and all this stuff we never really got to hear that ever either so yeah it's it's really kind of a big question mark but uh yeah suffice to say on on the recorded evidence uh he, he's a he's a pretty simple player the book done rock podcast will be back after this it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm talking to author Martin Popoff, who's on the podcast to talk about his latest book, Kiss at 50, which is out now, and you can get it wherever books are sold, but also go to martinpopoff.com to get a signed copy.
What about the merchandising? Ace and Peter, they felt that Paul and Gene were going way too far with that. The lunchboxes, the comic books, the action figures, they catered too much to the kids. I think it's those kids, including myself at that time, when they got older, they helped pack the stadiums in 1996 when they reunited. So I think in the long run, it paid off. What is your take on the merchandising? Too far? Yeah, that that's a good way of putting it. Uh, you know, I, I don't... Uh... I don't have any ambivalence or anger or think it's a great thing either. It's uh, I'm kind of in the middle. It was there. I bought a fair bit of it, but not all of it. Later years, I, I certainly didn't really care. I was part of the Kiss Army right away as soon as, you know, got that little order form. I believe most of us joined or or I can't remember the timeline exactly, but I'm pretty sure I joined off of what was inside of Destroyer. I, I think in there it, it is how you you learned about it. But uh the cardboard gun that came out in Love Gun. Love Gun had, had that. Yep. Great ideas. Yep. Yeah. Great ideas. And and the the solo albums had the interlocking posters with the puzzle pieces. They all went together to it was very simple and strange artwork, almost like uh, you know, it was, it was meant to be um sort of rude and crude uh kind of artwork. But yeah, the merchandising was all there. I mean, I, I don't I don't think as a kid we ever thought they were very mercenary. I mean, it was just cool that, that all this stuff was out there. So we never, never thought of it in a negative sense as a kid, you know, as time goes on, I suppose you think of it a, a little more that way. Yeah. 96. I just looked back to those times. Remember I had the jigsaw puzzle for kiss destroyer brought back great memories. And I was also a fan of kisses music, but there was that emotional connection that I made that again, I think in the long run, it paid off. And the other thing is that once they took the makeup off, you can't ever go back to what I think may be the best publicity move of them all, which is to never know what they really look like. That mm -hmm. was really the mystery of that. I think that was so important. Yeah, that was cool. I, you, you know, you can picture in your head, they're burned into your memory, the shots of them covering their face up or with sunglasses yeah. on or whatever, you know, the the couple of shots that you saw in Cream or whatever. Coming out of a restaurant with Cher. Yeah. Cream. Yeah. So, yeah. So when they did that, boy, did they ever do that? Because the cover of Lick It Up is just so absolutely as plain as you can imagine. Right. It's just yeah. here they are in a white background. Right. You know, and even the text, there's no color in the text. Right. It just says kiss, lick it up. Right. So. So, yeah. So that was pretty interesting seeing uh, seeing what they looked like and stuff. Yeah, they looked cool. And of course, two of the guys were gone by then. too. Well, so. yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about when we get to that. Just before we get to there, though, let's backtrack a little bit. And just get back to 79, where they put out Dynasty, and then Unmasked. Now, Dynasty has the huge hit, I Was Made for Loving You, but did they alienate their audience with that single, or are you a fan of that song? Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat of, of a, a, a fan of that song. I think it's a, it's a pretty good quality disco song with good chord changes and stuff in it. Um, but the thing about that album is um, it, it really made people think the album was a disco-y album, and it's really almost as heavy as as love gun and uh and rock and roll over it's it's not appreciably lighter than those two albums right True. uh when you play it in total and the production's pretty good on it so um it's a good quality kiss album a lot of people rate it pretty highly in the catalog but i remember as kids yeah definitely um it was a turn off and unmasked was a turn off you know the new wave of british heavy metal starting by the time you get to Unmasked, there was all sorts of super exciting, really heavy stuff out there that that Kiss was uh, and Kiss was plainly not participating in it, especially for Unmasked. They came back with Creatures of the Night, mind you. But but even at that point, uh, it just seemed like 
there were a lot of younger baby bands doing heavy metal a lot better than Kiss, and uh, they were just now kind of like the old the old grandfathers. You you pat on the head and say, "Yeah, good boy, thanks for putting out this Creatures of the Night album. It's okay, haha." You know, but uh, but look, Angel Witch, Iron Maiden, you know. You know, already you've got genius albums from Judas Priest. You got Sad Wings, Sin After Sin, Stained Class, Hellbent for Leather. I mean, I mean, just absolute. There was Van Halen was out. There was so much amazing, amazing good music uh, by that time. And Kiss was going the other direction. Yeah. Think about Unmasked and that poppy sound up against Van Halen and Van Halen 2 and Women yeah. and Children First came out the same year as Unmasked, 1980. Yeah. And I barely remember listening to Unmasked. I had it. It was one of the albums that my friend down the street gave to me, but I don't think I listened to it more than once. Later in college, my roommate had it on CD, and I listened to it, and I thought, boy, Peter sounds awesome on this, <laughs> this mm. album. And you find out it's Anton Fig on drums. But I like well, the, the quirkiness of Speaking of, of Peter, album. I, do I like mean, his... one of the amazing things about this band that I always say and I always remind people of is they had four lead singers – four great voices yeah and somewhere is around three great singers so four great voices three great singers so so ace freely wasn't the greatest singer but i still loved his voice you know he was he was always a little flat or, or sharp or whatever hollery uh, but you still Richard loved him like it was still charming right yeah. um but but peter had a great voice and was a great singer paul had a great voice and was a great singer gene had a great voice and was a great singer do you like anything on Unmasked? I love the Ace. No, not particularly. No. Um, you know, uh, it's it it is definitely poppy. They they try they try some interesting things on it, and it's almost like uh, with with some bands like this, you're almost happy that they're trying something different. So it's kind of cool. And then and then even the Elder, I I wasn't much of a fan of uh, either. Okay, uh, see, I was going to ask now yeah. because you are the contrarian. I was thinking maybe you were going to like something on music from the Elder because I can. I'm going to defend it a little bit. It is the mm -hmm. most bizarre album of Kiss. No question. Concept album, strange. The first featuring Eric Carr, by the way. Poor Eric Carr. He's like, this is my first gig. <laughs> yeah. I got to do this. Um, but I will defend the songs The Oath, Dark Light, Mr. Blackwell, Escape from the Island, and I. Yeah. I, I do yeah. like that. If they were just standalone songs on a Kiss album, I think they would be great. Oh, um, for sure, of yeah. course, the rest, you know, I am just a boy, <laughs> you know, all that stuff is like, what the hell is this? Is there anything on that album you like? Anything? Yeah, I like all the same songs you okay. like. World, World Without Heroes is on that too, right? It is on there. Yeah, yeah I hate that That was one the too. single. Yeah, and they have Gene crying song. in the video. Yeah, oh, hate that song. But yeah, and the rest of all those ones you mentioned are are definitely very cool. I, I thought the production was pretty good. The production's, uh, you're, you know, it's, it's interesting that the production is moving into, even though it's Bob Ezrin, the production is actually moving into this interesting, not great drum sound, but everything sound uh, sounds pretty good together sound. That, that you get on Lick It Up and Animal Eyes um, and, and even not, not so much Asylum because Asylum sounds really good to me. So it's, it's funny, this, this fits in almost that category of us wishing for concept albums from some of our favorite bands and when they deliver them, you're not happy that they did. And I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit that way of, of Rush with Clockwork Angels and I certainly felt that way with Dio and, and Magica and uh, is Seventh Son of a Seventh Son a concept album or not, you know, kind of, but it, it's almost like these bands that hadn't done them, when they do them, you kind of wish they hadn't. So the band follows up with the best of called Killers. Four new songs on there. I'm a legend tonight, Down on Your Knees, Nowhere to Run, Partners in Crime, 
good songs. They're back to that hard rock and old school Kiss sound. But by then, most Kiss fans had checked out. They bring in Vinnie Vincent on guitar, and we get Creatures of the Night, 1982. Hard, heavy album. Again, largely ignored because a lot of the fans checked out. But years later, looking back on that album, a lot of Kiss fans say it's one of the best, maybe the best. What are your thoughts on Creatures of the Night? I thought Creatures was a really good album. Uh, again, it, it's got this, um, not crazy about the drum performance or the drum sound on it. Really? That's um, what no. the people most love. And they applaud the drums, the the big sound, the massive bottom. Yeah, there's, it's a version of big sound. It's, it's not, it's, it's a kind of strange, restrained, corporate cloistered big sound claustrophobic big sound i don't know but it's but it's a pretty heavy album and and definitely uh you know qu- quite into it yeah war machine and that all of those i i look at pretty similarly now um basically creatures lick it up and and uh animalize i look at as a trio almost i kind of like the direction that they're they're going on it they're basically inventing hair metal. I mean, people don't give them enough credit for how, how enthusiastically they participated in hair metal. They were the most hair metal looking guys of the entire hair metal scene with their getups, their costumes. Right. And the music was absolutely squarely hair metal. So they're, so they're like diving right in and and literally helping invent this genre. You know, we give credit to Van Halen, Aerosmith, Motley Crue being in early, but kiss is a huge part of this thing. They're putting together the rule book with, uh, with lick it up and animalize into asylum. And then they're totally fully participating with crazy nights and hot in the shade. They're, they're absolutely right in there like a dirty shirt and doing well, you know, these records are going gold and they're, they're out there playing, you know, apparently the tours are not doing so great. They're losing money here and there or whatever. Cause they're still trying to keep a, as big a show as possible, but that whole era, I appreciate it. It's it's one of these funny things where you go at the time everybody groused about it, right? But but later on it it and you when you look back at the career it gives the career contours and everybody I'm sure the band thinks this as well and most of the fans think it. They're like I'm glad this happened. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting that they kept working, kept making records uh, and putting them out despite, you know, some of the attention going away and, and having only middling success, but we all look back and, and, and it, and it just gives us something to talk about. Let's talk about that unmasking in 83 now, because I, I think they waited too long. Yeah, it was dramatic, but like you said, it was half the guys, right? Half as dramatic since, the official unmasking on MTV didn't include Ace and Peter. Did they wait too long? Yeah, well, I, I suppose so. MTV starts in the summer of 81. We're already up into 83. But, uh, you know, it was it was good timing uh, in terms of um, there was a lot of excitement around this new genre of metal happening, right? So this is the time of Twisted Sisters, Ascendance, uh, but definitely Quiet Riot and Dawkin and Great White. Who else is in there? Rat. You know, right at that time. So it's like a nice coming out party to say we're going to be part of this whole thing. And, you know, also uh, the old guard uh, is doing well at this time, too. So it's a good time for Kiss to be back and making the news. So you've got Ozzy doing well. Sabbath starting to bust up at this point, but Ozzy's doing well. Judas Priest and Scorpions are doing well at this time. So Kiss is kind of part of that whole thing. Blue Oyster Cult's on the Descendants. Aerosmith's kind of taken a little time off. Ted Nugent's on the Descendants, uh, but some of them are 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 you know having some of the best years of their career. So yeah, it's kind of cool. And MTV's really starting to have a lot of power at this point. Um, this is like the golden era of MTV, eighty three, eighty four, right? So yeah, it's it good. Did not hurt. 
brought attention yeah. to that album. Look it up. I mean, if they had done it on Creatures of the Night, what would have that album done? You know, commercially, I think it would have done much better. It would have brought more attention to it. But, but yeah, yeah. hey, they, they did it, and it was the right move, I think, ultimately, because it also sets up the reunion in later years. But before we get to Revenge, because you were saying you love that album, 80s Kiss, best album of that decade, and what's the low point? Your least favorite from that decade. I have a real soft spot for Asylum. I okay. think it's the best recorded. And it's got some really great Paul type songs like Tears Are Falling. King of the Mountain, the opener is good yeah. on that as well. I just think that's a Who Wants to Be Lonely, a really good one on there. So I think that that one to me is the most seriously well put together one. It, it just sounds like a, like the most ambitious, best fidelity. Uh, the low point would be Crazy Nights for me. Um, I feel like... Uh, not not a great recording too long too much filler um i think i think it's a it's a i i used to put down hot in the shade but i i think that was a good good comeback i i think uh the ambition is back for that one uh in the in the first three are are just a little a little juvenile i'm happy about them i'm, I'm glad they're there and it's cool and i was excited about uh, kiss at the time and it's got some great hits but yeah I, i'd go with asylum as the best one all right smashes thrashes and hits let's put the x in sex and yeah and you make me in parentheses rock hard that's yeah. uh, and that was classic. a big hit album. I I love I, I love this whole thing with um uh I, this it's almost like a neat podcast episode. Maybe I've even done one on this, but yeah. the unsung greatest hits albums that do really well for bands, right? right. You know, Eric Carr, and, Ted Nugent, Great Gonzo's, Aerosmith with those uh what are they called? Classics, right? Classics, right. classics. I mean, huge sellers, right? So so that that album uh, really yeah that was a uh, that was a good idea that that Kiss had that album come out. What did you think of Eric Carr singing on Beth? I'm not crazy about it. I think Tommy's a better better singer later on. And again, just something strange about his drumming style. It seemed like like shreddy. It seemed like over the top, uh, but it but it never seemed to fit into these Kiss type songs. And and again, they always gave him a weird production treatment, uh, which is which is kind of mm. odd. But yeah, Kiss tried to do these shreddy songs, these up-tempo songs, um, you know, over the top. We used to call it OTT, uh, which was a term you saw in Kerrang! early on, right? And it, and it never quite worked. Van Halen was never good at those either. Right? With Beth, though, I'm assuming that they didn't get permission from Peter to put Beth on the smashes, thrashes, and hits, and that's why they had Eric Carr singing it. I don't know. I'm just. Boy, I, I don't remember. I, I it, to me, it just seems like it would be a, a more of a great business move. It's it's kind of a neat idea, right? Yeah. Let's get to Revenge 1992. What is it that stands out for you about this album? Why do you feel it's their best of the non-makeup era? Boy, I, I think it's just uh, a, first of all, it might be the best sounding Kiss album ever. I mean, I, I think the production's great. It's just really tough and powerful, but still very correct and expensive sounding. Um, so that's kudos to Bob Ezrin on that one. And uh, I think the songs are like really ambitious, but they're still funny and tongue in cheek and Kiss like uh, they they haven't. They haven't, uh, you know, uh, succumbed to any trends at all. Like Kiss, Kiss went went along with a few trends along the way, and that's fine. I mean, I, I think Carnival of Souls is really good. You do, but okay, yeah, but we'll, but we'll this album, to, we'll speak to that in a bit. But yeah, yeah th but this album, I I just think it's just a really high quality. I I did a I did a uh, my audio podcast history and five songs with Martin Popoff. I did a um. I did an episode called Go to Vancouver and Try Harder. Now, this isn't a Go to Vancouver album, but what it is, 
is uh, is a try harder album where uh, once grunge happens, anybody who's still doing hair metal uh, has to try really hard to make a super good quality album if they're going to stay in their genre. And that's when you actually get some of the masterpieces of the whole hair metal era is is 92, 93. And I think this is just uh, the, the best the best version of of Kiss from Creatures of the Night through to Revenge. I think Revenge is the best one of that version of Kiss. And a lot of people will say, too, that Gene, the songs fit him better. The songs they were more of a fit of his demon character. Plus, he looked, he was starting to look cool again because he was kind of lost with that look throughout the 80s. And he, he didn't, it just was never really, he never really got into a groove and never felt comfortable with that look. But here he's looking demonic again. So I think there's that to it. But also, we don't want to leave out Bruce Kulick. How important was Bruce Kulick to the band in the 80s, right up through the Revenge era? Because he was a, a loyal foot soldier. Mm-hmm. He was he never caused any issues. Vinnie Vincent caused problems. Uh, they had problems with well, I'm trying to think of the, who were the other guitarists. That Mark St. John. Mark St. John. Yeah. You know, I don't think he has a style of his own, particularly. I don't think any of those solos, any of that shredding type stuff. There's there's not a lot of musicality to to too much of of that that goes on there. I still feel like the strength of personality is in Paul and Gene in that band all through that era anyways. Um, and those are the guys you think of as projecting personality. I'm sure if Bruce was allowed to write more, he would have done great. Uh, we would have got you know better songs uh, out of them and better songs, period, maybe. Um, but we'll never know. Um, but as a guitarist, I, I can't think of. Uh, you know, he certainly didn't have this is my characteristic. This is the thing I do more than other guitarists, like a personality. A lot of guitarists don't have a personality um, and a few do. And I think he's one that, that per, you know, personally, I, I don't think he added a lot to it in terms of personality um, when when he you know took his moment to do a solo. All right. So let's talk about Carnival of Souls. Why do you like this album? I don't know anybody who does. I know people who like a few mm-hmm. songs, but you like the album as a whole. Definitely. Uh, I, I was mostly on board when any of my hair metal bands tried to do something a little grungy. I, I, I generally liked those albums. Um, so it was cool. I remember thinking, ah, it's neat that they're trying something different. It's dark. It's it's you know, the song structures are not the normal thing. We've we've already got seven or eight albums of uh, of Kiss doing hair metal. Like, well, sure, why not try something different? I, I don't like the album cover. It seemed like a little rushed and, you know, the the Carnival Souls, the, you know, the the sessions or whatever it was called, right? Uh, I wish it was was just a straightforward Kiss album and and it wasn't treated. It didn't have this narrative where we learned the, the laundry, you know, the dirty laundry of, well, we're not really doing this. We're not really promoting this. We've moved on to this, you know, reunion thing or whatever. Well, that was so the, the, timing the timing and all that was, was weird. Terrible. The timing yeah, was yeah. terrible. They, they and it's late it. for a grunge album too, right? right? And they released it after Very late. the buzz yeah. of the Ace and Peter coming back to the band. Yeah. Right. That was, they put it out after that. So we were, I think at that, yeah. if I recall So it's like a lame duck president in a way, yeah, right? Right. Yeah. We were all looking forward to this reunion. It's like, oh, by the way, here's Carnival of Souls. And yeah, from a promotional standpoint, it didn't stand much of a chance anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I I thought the songs songs were good on it. Um, I didn't mind that it was a little darker or down. You know, I know they, they kind of fought about direction on it or whatever, but production's good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. The Booked on Rock podcast will be back after this. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The reunion, now we get to that. The 96 reunion, Paul, Gene, Ace, and Peter. Did you feel that day would eventually come? And did you expect it to do the huge numbers that it ended up doing? It sold out tiger stadium in like what four hours or something yeah i mean i suppose i expected it to do the huge numbers i mean that's great um unfortunately the album was a disaster it was not a good album um, i can't think of anybody who, who likes it it's got 10 songs on it you quickly learned that the playing was all compromised there was just you know a little bit of ace and a little bit of peter and all that kind of thing and you know, guest musicians and guest writers and stuff like that. Uh, I, the songs just were not very good. The production wasn't even very good. You know, it was soupy and reverby. It's a little bit like, um, it's a bit like when I think about the Stooges trying to make two more studio albums, right? It's like, how do you capture the magic of being a chaotic, punky, dirty, you know, uh, we're all on heroin sort of band, uh, and you're trying to make a new album that it's like, well, how do we make an album kind of for all intents and purposes sound bad on purpose, right? So Kiss has that problem where they're saying, how do we make a, a simple, unambitious, stupid album on purpose, right? When when like so much rock history has gone by, I guess I guess what I'm saying is certain bands, they've got a past that seems to be an inviting thing to try to reproduce. Kiss's past is really of its time and it's simple and it's it was for 12 year olds and all this kind of stuff. Right. It's like, so how do we do that again and, and make it sound good and not sound stupid? Instead, it just came out sounding stupid. Yeah, that was their opportunity to go back to the original days of all four guys writing the songs together, recording the songs together. But I believe that the only song that features all four is Into the Void. I don't think Psycho Circus, I don't think, is the case. And I That's hate it. that title. You know, it, it reminds me of the whole Monster Magnet, Zodiac Mind Warp, Sonic Temple, Sound Garden, like, like Psycho Circus. It's like, well, nobody really thinks Kiss is psycho in any way. I mean, they think they're a circus, I suppose. But those two words together are kind of dumb. The album cover is pretty good. Um, you know, with the, the reticulated thing going on or whatever. Right. Um, so the, the cover was OK, but just that that title was just uh, it's a bit negative too, having psycho in there. So it's a, it's a bit like uncheery um, and then it's put with circus. Yeah, it just seemed like one of these uh, one of these 90s uh, smush two words together titles. The touring numbers still continue to do very well, but then they start to kind of Peter out, no pun intended. Ace and Peter both eventually out. Paul and Gene bring back Eric Singer. This time he's in the cat makeup. Tommy Thayer from the band Black and Blue, who worked in various roles for the band since 1994, took over for Ace, wore his Spaceman makeup. This is after they said they were done in 2001. Two studio albums, 2009 Sonic Boom, 2012's Monster, several successful tours. They still have plenty of fans, but some of the longtime fans checked out once again. A lot of them yeah. pissed off. Two guys are in Ace and Peter's makeup and costumes. 
should Kiss have called the quits in 01, or are you cool with what they decided to do? More no, so, so, so this is what I think about that era. I mean, what I just said about Psycho Circus, like trying to go back to this past that's hard to go back to and you can't really do it. I think both Sonic Boom and Monster are the right balance of, uh, of value for your money, ambition, uh, but still having a retro sound. So to me, to me, what they do with those albums is they make a, they, they make a smart, hip, knowing, self-aware version of the best of their 80s and 70s sound, but mostly their 80s sound. So I have no problem with both Sonic Boom and Monster. I think they're both good albums. They're both the recordings are fine on them. Eric Singer is a great drummer. Tommy Thayer's a great addition to the band. So I I think um and given that that Kiss is kind of like this corrupted corporation-y sort of thing where there's all these people helping out and blah 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 all the time. There's no reason that Psycho Circus couldn't have been exactly as good as Sonic Boom and Monster. I think both those albums are fine, but I think what happens with Kiss and it's one of the amusing things about the Kiss fan base is we're really passionate and we're big complainers and we fight all the time about all sorts of things and we love getting to complain. And I think you notice this with any fans of bands who are super dedicated and knowledgeable about a band. You you go over a mountain and you come down the other side and, and realize that there actually is a lot to complain about. Right. So so, you know, as you climb the mountain, it's like, oh, we love everything. Don't you dare, you know, insult anything about Kiss. And then soon as you as you like all the curtains are open and you learn everything about all the different personalities, there's a lot to complain about. And I, I feel like people really complain unjustly about both of those albums. I think both of them are really good albums. And like I say, I, I think what they discovered is, is a way to be old kiss, but still, still offer value for the money and be very ambitious about it and, and put together just good quality songs. There's, there's not, there's not a lot of crappy filler uh, type songs on either of those albums. And, and, and more than half of psycho circus with only 10 songs sounds like, uh, how did this make the cut? By the way, in your book, Kiss at 50, there's a picture of you with that lineup. Where is this picture from? It's you rocking your Thin Lizzy shirt, and there's Gene pointing at you with that, you're a very handsome, successful, charming man look on his face, right? What's that quote he always says? You're very charming. Oh, yeah. I don't think he said it. <laughs> He's to got me, that but look it, on his face, though. Like, but the pointing that? and putting the sungla his sunglasses on somebody is is something. Oh, those does, are his right? sunglasses. Yeah, on yeah. You. I got gotcha. you. So uh, so it, it and it's and he charms you. Right. He's a charming guy. He charms yeah. you over. I mean, I like listening to Gene talk about politics even. I mean, unfortunately, he was born in Israel. But if he wasn't, I, I'd, I'd be Gene for president. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think Gene would uh, would make a great politician. Uh, he's just a smart, sensible guy. He's yeah. just a well-rounded, sensible dude i like him so yeah um, where, where was this photo taken with all four of the guys so yeah uh, so what happened Thayer, was stanley it, paul stanley and gene yeah it was uh so uh a, a label buddy of mine dave mcmillan invited me it was like whoa this is so cool he said come come to the monster launch party here in toronto right so i remember i was so stressed out getting there because it was right in rush hour i had to go right across town in toronto which is brutal and it was pouring rain um so i thought i was going to be late and it's like oh come on come on you know and it's, it's hard to get to but once i was there it's like there's beers there's all of kiss um, you know, I had some things to sign and fortunately I, I was uh, not, you know, timid enough that I did pull this stuff out and got, I got to talk, you know, with everybody, you know, Eric, Paul, you know, Tommy got my black and blue stuff signed by Tommy. 
So it was just a great party once I got to relax about the the harried drive to get there, right? Yeah, it was just uh, it, it was at a a suburban recording studio, and they did a whole they did you know they played it and they had they had the monster uh, you know album flats that were handing out to everybody and like I say free booze and and uh, industry buddies of mine were there. It was not a big party. It was like literally I don't know might have been. 35 people, maybe 40 people, something like that. But yeah, all the kiss guys just hanging out, talking. It was, it was absolutely amazing. And, and as I look back, it was one of the greatest, um, you know, hangs that I've ever gotten to do as being, being a rock journalist. Um, and they were all super nice guys and attentive and, uh, just, just charming dudes. And, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I had a great time at that party because of YouTube, everybody's, uh, analyzing every, everybody nowadays, but Paul, they say, you know, he's lip syncing. Are people being a little too rough on him or is it because he used to talk about how you should go out at the top of your game and they're saying, well, he should have gone. He should have gone out a while ago. What do you think of that? Are you for or against a singer singing to a track live? Are you OK with that? Yeah, no, I'm not OK with that. I, I've uh, I've never liked any of that whole idea. You know, I, I almost sometimes liken it to or, or what I liken this analogy to that I use often. I don't like the whole outside songwriter thing. I've never liked that. And Kiss is guilty of that as well. But it, I always liken it to, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers doing a, a pre NFL game interview and saying, uh, by the way, I'll be playing Tom Brady today. Um, <laughs> you know, Tom is not even in the building, but I'm going to be uh, representing the, uh, you know, the character of Tom Brady today. Right. It's like yeah. literally this is your artwork and you're not on it and you didn't write it. I mean, that drives me nuts. Right. And Wilson I, hated that. Right. With a heart. I never like, yeah, in the I, 80s, I couldn't stand never like that idea. But so. So, yeah. And, and analogous to that is this whole live thing. And I, I've always wondered and I've asked rock stars this all the time because this is this is my bias. Obviously, it's not theirs. Like a they love performing. They want to make money, too. Um, and, you know, we often find out that there's not a, as, as much money as we think in, in being a rock star. So, so we, we tend to forget that and think, you know, well, this is their bread and butter going, playing live. You know, that's why bands continue to play live. So, so there is that aspect of it as well, but they love performing. You know, we know Ozzy's whole pathology about, I mean, it's, it's his reason to exist is to play live, right? We, we blame Sharon. But it's like Ozzy would would wither away uh, if if he if he wasn't able to perform right. So I get that. Um, but yeah, just the whole thing of having fake tracks. I I don't I, you know you literally are saying, come see us play live, and we're not doing it right. So right. it's such a lie, right? Um, so yeah, I've never liked that. And so yeah, I guess what I was getting at is um, I wish more rock stars would take the uh, approach that because I couldn't care less about seeing most bands live ever again. I wish more rock stars would realize this is again my bias, but I I wish Kiss would just hole up and make records. Uh, and most of my favorite bands, rather than rather than sully the reputation by playing live or even going and playing live, uh, I wish bands would take the fact that you know decades from now years from now when you're long and dead sort of thing it's your it's your artwork that's going to live on those records but having having said that i guess with uh with youtube your live presence is going to live on too but i just think uh i just think the most important thing a band can do is their records 
What do you think is next for Kiss? The end of the road tour, it's going to have to eventually come to a close only because time waits for no one. Do you think a Kiss 2.0 will happen? Will they find four new guys to keep the Kiss name going into the future? And I hope so. so. Is that the right? Okay. That's yeah, that's I right. love that. I love that idea. I mean, I, I've done a whole podcast episode on this too, how Leonard Skinner is, is literally the living embodiment of this, right? Um, you know, you think of the Grateful Dead, although they didn't really do it because they kind of retired the name, right? Or the Almond Brothers or whatever. But Leonard Skinner's a hilarious example of this, how, you know, people are just dying left and right. But as long as you've replaced that lead singer with someone who's uh, valid uh, and, you know, he's one generation earlier or whatever. But so, no, I don't want them to replace all four of them at once. But but uh, but I would like to see Gene retire, set off by Paul retiring. And then Tommy, although Tommy's not that young a guy. Right. But but I would like to see Tommy stay for much longer and Eric stay for much longer. And uh, and then the replacements have to be really, really key, proper replacements. Right. And to me, when you do this. You want, you know, I, I almost think they, they should go to the deep, serious fans, you know, and the fans that are 40 and 50 and 60 years old and ask them who they think should replace them. Because I think I always feel like these replacements should be people that have as much stature as you like, like the Pantera thing is a perfect example. Like those, they, they did a perfect job of replacing those guys. And I would love to see Pantera make records, right? Wouldn't that so, be interesting, though, to, to see Tommy and Eric Singer still there without Gene and Paul? I always just imagine it if they're yeah. going to do it, just a clean slate. Let's just get four new guys from from like the best tribute bands out there. No, yeah. I I, I want to see I want to see guys almost as famous as successful as Kiss, but guys who are between the ages of fifty and sixty. So legends. I want to see two legends in there. So those guys last for another five or six or seven years. And then they're gone. And, uh, you know, and at that point, they've hopefully made some records because that's the other thing. I couldn't care less about any version of Kiss playing live. I just want to see them make records. I, I want to see that new band make records. So that's that's how you become valid, I think, in trying to do this replacement thing is and you're writing, right? You're in their writing. So uh, I don't know. I've never thought about it off the top of my head who that would be. But uh, Gene's son can step in gene son is well you know that's the other way of doing it like that's how you you know you got your jason bonham and your john bonham you've got your johnny van sant and your and your uh your ronnie van sant right you can't so, put wolfgang in there he's not gonna do that well wolfgang's kind of a decent idea actually yeah he, he won't do it yeah he but i was thinking wolfgang you know wolfgang and van halen that's a super valid thing but even wolfgang and kiss would make sense <laughs> right 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 hey so, his dad so you, wanted to be in kiss remember that that was the rumor yeah yeah but you know uh, all of your you know i could see a metallica member in kiss maybe or something so wow. I, I want someone who's got some gravitas and some weight to them and by yeah. the way before i forget too are you, are you hoping does it matter to you should ace and peter at least be there for the very last show it's going to be at madison square garden Ah, there's so much bad blood that everybody knows anyways that that it wouldn't really feel sincere but yeah sure of course yeah i i, uh, I think uh they should they should all be part of it for sure will it happen though yeah apparently not i mean all, all i keep hearing is them them keep saying no yeah he's ain't going up there if he's got to stand next to a guy wearing his his spaceman outfit and makeup who cares who yeah cares? i i i never cared about any of that makeup stuff tommy and ace's makeup blah 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 i, I don't i just <laughs> don't care it's just it's not important to me to me the important thing is the records right 
have Vinny go up there in his Ankh makeup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kiss at 50. It's out now through Motor Books. And they can get it through Amazon, all the usual places, but they should also go to your website too. Yeah, yeah definitely. You can get it at martinpopoff.com. Of course, I sign them and send them out from the office here. Um, and, uh, you know, s- slight discounts if you order one or two things at once, pop something else into the box. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, you definitely get it at martinpopoff.com. All right, Martin. Thank you, man. This was awesome. And I will talk to you again soon. Okay. Sounds good, Eric. We'll talk to you later. That's it. It's in the books.